Welcome to Craggy Island, podcast number 26. We're here in the sports ground. It's about 25 minutes before kickoff, William. We've just had the dreadful news that Ronaldson has pulled the quad. Um, and possibly the biggest game we've had in years. Probably the biggest ever league game. Not a great start to the day. No, it's not a great start to the day. And me and Nakora coming in. Kicking is going to be crucial today because after a week of wonderful sunshine and nearly summer weather, the wind is howling here. The sun is out. But kicking for position is going to be the key to this game, really. And uh, a big ask has been made even bigger. It has indeed. We do have an amazing record against Ulster in April on Saturdays in the sports ground. We've never lost to them. It is only one game, but we still have a good record against them. <laughs> we'll talk again later. It's time to front up a Okay, William, it's 21 minutes and 40 seconds. Connacht of a five-metre scrum. We're 5-0 down. Looked like we might have had a try, but it looks like the ref said it was downward pressure by Ulster on the goal line, which gives us the scrum. Yep, and uh, we need something from this. We've had a lot of possession, a lot of over and back the pitch. Slow start again by us, and it cost us, but we're well back into this game now. It's uh, intense without perhaps (laughs) particularly high quality. Okay, William, it's half time. We're 17 points to nil down. This is uh, going to be a long day. Yeah, it has the makings of it. That five yard scrum came to very little. Um, they're just playing more accurately and at a higher speed than we are. We, we can't get past the gain line, so it's over and back. We've had a lot of possession to very little effect. Uh, they've had three or four clear chances and they've scored three tries. If ever the moniker of the second half team is required, it's right now, but I can't see Ulster letting this go. No, I can't see it either. We'll be doing well to get a bonus point and we'll be doing even better to deny them a bonus point. Uh, they, they're just playing at a different level to us at the moment when they have the ball. They're playing on the front foot when they have it. We're not. We're playing on the back foot when we have it. Um, so they're dominating uh, the, the contact area. It's something we're going to have to sort at halftime. We'll talk to you in 20 minutes. That's George after coming off on 50 minutes. We've got a penalty to bring it back to 17-10. Mia's about just lining it up here. Um, I'll get your thoughts in a minute. Yeah. on the edge of our seats with a whole distance of wind in the air. 17-10. What's happened, William? Um, not, not really sure. Uh, we're just running better lines, playing at a bit of speed. Ulster have done this nearly all season. They've had these little napping periods, and we've, we've just hit them very, very hard at the start of this half, and it's now game back on again, which when the referees was one for halftime, you just couldn't have seen. Yeah, Matt Healy's try was amazing. It really had brought us back into the game. We'll talk again in 20 minutes. Okay, William, 65 minutes, 27-13 to Ulster with a conversion to come. Um, Looks as though we started the second half well, but too many silly mistakes. Yeah, we'd, uh, we just kicked a penalty there, and uh, from the Ulster kickoff, we didn't even contest it. 
and from the subsequent plays they've scored another try which is their fifth and um, I think we huffed and puffed a bit there and we played with a lot of effort but uh, there's no way back from this as the conversion goes, goes way wide in the wind but I think this game now well away I'd say so too we'll, we'll still talk to you in 80 minutes <laughs> Okay, William, it's, it's 70 minutes and we've made a few substitutions and they seem to have brought us to life because we've just scored. Um, it's in the corner, it's going to be a hell of a conversion if, if uh, Jack gets it, but it's currently 18.27 to, to Ulster and still 10 minutes left. Yeah, absolutely. Um, load of substitutions, sort of done just en masse, but uh, fine try and uh, we're all being shushed here. And... Oh, that's a hell of a kick. That's a great kick. Oh, that's a great kick. Okay, William, it's 80 minutes. That's full time. We've just lost by seven, but what a finish. Yeah, great effort. Got a bonus point, and with the result in Zebra today, we're still ahead of Slenekli. Valiant effort in the second half. Just not accurate enough. We had a fantastic chance of a try there, and uh, rather butchered it. I thought he was. He only had to do was take the pass and go in. Maybe not the greatest pass, but very... Uh, very good effort and bonus point from where we were at half time you'd take it the post game chat time and I'm Rob Murphy and uh, the lads have introduced this podcast already so uh, all done Connacht have lost well, apart from Dave apart from Dave welcome along Dave uh, good afternoon I'd like to say hello to my millions of glamour model American friends who seem to be following me on Twitter and retweeting most of my posts for no apparent reason is that because is that your initials maybe they've read something in your initials when you tweet out the teams or something uh, some spam bots uh, like on, what you spam bots uh, no they're not spam I am, they, you may say they're spam bots I am hoping there is a very untapped glam, American glamour model market for college rugby and indeed for Craigie Island well I, I too <laughs> hope this <laughs> I, I think that's the collective hope going around this uh, room listen so so where are we? Uh, four in a row now. Defeats. Yeah, it's um, worst. Gone worst past run, two all season. <laughs> worst run of the season, but but um, playing in fits and starts some incredible rugby as I, I did get a hold of Liam Toland afterwards and had a quick chat with him which we'll hopefully hear yeah, in a while we're going to introduce Dad you're jumping the gun here we're going yeah. no but uh, he was making the point I was just going to make the point he was making which was that we played some incredible rugby our scrum was amazing our lineup was astonishing we, we had some really good play in, in the um, in the breakdown however we'd switch off on three or four occasions and he said those moments in time when we didn't switch on and they did is the difference they've got world class players in the back who were able to take advantage of stuff that we didn't that when Danny didn't quite catch the ball in the corner down the corner that's the difference between winning and losing I couldn't hold the pass to save my life so I say this with all due respect to that fact but I think he should have held that one and I think it was key because I think he would have got in from my angle anyway Yep, absolutely. Um, it wasn't the greatest pass, but it was reasonably sympathetic and he should have just grabbed it and been in in the corner. That's the difference. They, they seem to take most of their opportunities. They were a lot quicker and they were... I wouldn't. They were more accurate in the first half. Their second half performance was very similar to what they did away to Zebre when they led 24-0 at halftime. And they, they've done this all season, because I watch Ulster a fair bit. They just have these little dozing periods. And we, at least today, when they weren't on the go, we established a bit of ground, a bit of territory. And we got a bonus point. It's probably about all we deserved. 
Dave, just on that, I mean, the sports ground, it's been it's lost its little bit of allure now because you've lost two but one of the key factors is we've only played one game in what 12 weeks here before this one I have to check it out I've forgotten their game in the middle of that. we played Treviso here that was the last oh, one. Yeah. on the Sunday up, after Ireland beat England yeah. and Robbie Edshaw scored yeah a game that everybody forgot but in terms of points was important uh, I agree with the lads I think it's a game we could have won I think it's a game we should have lost by 15 points and uh, if nothing else Ulster will be on the lookout for a kicker next season um, the worst kicking performance I've seen from the tee in a long time but just about the only thing bad you could say about their performance apart from their scrum the wasn't scrum, great yeah. they line out creaks um, they I'm not, saying, I'm not saying Payne was anonymous but Payne wasn't prominent uh, I thought Cave was the better of the two centres I thought Paddy Jackson was okay uh, I thought Pino was okay I thought the pack was excellent I thought Rory Best was the best player on the pitch um, they should have beaten us by 15 but we could have won the game and that is typical of Connacht we make mistakes they get 7 points they make mistakes we fail gallantly <laughs> Ali Muldowney had an amazing game oh, yeah. all round line outs their line outs Hitting things, running, picking things up. He was he was brilliant. Like again, the whole the, the whole pack had had such a great game. Tom McCartney is the best line-out drawer in in the country at the moment. Like you know, the, it's just incredible. And, and he's we, about as Irish as Jared Payne. So yeah. uh, if we're agreeing <laughs> with all all these things, we should get him in there as quickly but as and, we can. And, and well, Shane Delahunt's last draw on that last line, it went to the back while the snow and hail and wind was absolutely howling, and it was a straight throw. It was incredible. We're really going to miss Dan next year. Ian Henderson was the best player on the pitch. He's an absolute animal. You were shaking your head at the Rory Best uh, idea. <laughs> I thought Rory Best had a very strange game. He, he got lost coming off after the warm-up. <laughs> then he didn't want to d- run down um, with the flag, flag-waving children before the start. Then he got involved in that strange... Sort he of called it a Mexican standoff in the post-game. <laughs> <laughs> a Mexican, sta- Mexican standoff? Well, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know Mexico was in Tyrone. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it did look really strange. The strangest thing about it was uh, Nigel Owens, I think, had... Given that responsibility to the touch judge, and I think was getting pretty fed up with the whole thing. And then Pat Lamb came along, and he had a little chat. That must have helped Nigel Owens' patience. Yeah, well, Pat Lamb had been doing an interview for Sky, and right down in front of us, and he just wandered out into the middle of this. Where you've got thirty players all standing around, taking up their positions in one half of the pitch. Uh, I don't know how it was. I don't. In the end, whether Nigel Owens just said, "Right, that's the decision. You're playing that way." But he had said the other way a few seconds earlier, and everyone was like, "Ah, the Ulster fans did a big cheer. Yay, we won that battle." Well, we cheered very hard over here, so maybe that was our responsibility. <laughs> he probably said, you're playing with the wind, and that's always, at the sports ground, can change in 30 seconds. <laughs> there could be that to it. Listen, that was one of many stories, and there's loads of links, and we might use some audio uh, from different elements of the press conference. We'll definitely hear later on this podcast from Dennis Buckley, who spoke really well. Tremendous speaker, really interesting to give us a bit of an insight into it. Pat Lamb, uh, really in good form in terms of uh, chatting, but obviously not in good form in terms of the points that slipped away. And uh, we're going to hear from Liam Toland as you said we're also going to hear maybe we should go for this one now uh, Alan, Alan's interview with Liam Toland is uh, top notch Alan's interview with <laughs> no, no, Nigel no, no, Owens can, can, we, can we just say that is we should really send that out how not to interview somebody it Did, might, what's coming up here from it, you why coming up on how to, how, how to interview Nigel he, he, he didn't you had want one to take big it. job to say you were so focused on getting Nigel Owens in an interview yes it was your focus and, and, and I got the interview and he said you know he wasn't going to do it because he didn't want to talk about the match and I said no we don't want to talk about the match but as I was about to start someone came up and had a photograph taken and then someone else came up and had a photograph oh, taken does it sound like uh, getting me. excuses in first but then I started quite well because I introduced William I introduced myself asked you know 
mentioned mentioned Irish referees, which I should never have done, which sort of threw him a little bit. Recovered, asked him about his banging his head, and then asked the most inane question, and then didn't even bring William into it. It was horrendous. I was just going to ask, what did you ask him, William? Uh, I shook his hand as he left. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is, uh, Alan's big interview with Nigel Olds. Nigel, hi, my name's Alan Deacon, this is William Davies, we're from Craggy Island Rugby Podcast. We, um, we, we follow Connacht Rugby. We're just delighted to have you here. We, we struggled with Irish referees for an awful long time, um, but we're delighted to have you here. And um, Is your head all right? You got that bang earlier on. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, a bit, uh, bit stiff it is and a bit, uh, bit croaky, but no, I'm all right, thank you. Is this, what, it's only the second time we think that you've been to Connacht? No, I've, I've been to Connacht over the years, quite a few times, um, but probably not much in the last sort of four or five years, I don't think. But before that, yeah, I've been several times. Um, I think the last time I was here was a Heineken Cup game. It was yeah. uh, Cornet and Harlequins. Yeah. And then before that, you know, it'd been a while before that then, I think. Yeah, you, so probably you, once or twice in the last probably four or five years, I think. Okay. You, you've noticed a bit of a change about it. Yeah, well, the stand was here when I, when I when I came in last for the Harlequins game. Um, so, yeah, it's a great ground now. Good good atmosphere. Nice to see the place full as well. Okay, good. It's... it's um do you enjoy, you know, the the whole travelling that goes a referee? And you must travel everywhere. Yeah, pretty much travel every weekend, really. So uh, it's tough going, but um, you know that, that's that's what that's what the job entails, really, is a lot of travelling stuff. So, yeah, so you get you get used to it, I guess. At, at the beginning, you get all excited about going all the travelling and stuff, and then as years goes by, it's, um, the novelty wears off. It's just like it's just like going to work, then, I guess. But it's um, yeah. it's always nice to come into Galway. Probably one of my favourite um, cities or towns in in Ireland would be Galway. So it's always nice to come in. Absolutely. Well, we'd be delighted to see you back on a regular occasion. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. See you, boys. So, William, first of all, what question did you want to ask him? I was actually going to ask him a very simple question uh, based on something he said on Radio 5 Live a few weeks ago about the overuse, or BBC Radio 5 Live, on the overuse of TMOs. And just, I was going to say to him, how the game has changed for the referees in the last, say, 15 years. Because apparently, as you'll hear in the interview, he's, he says he's been here six or seven times. I, I can only remember him being here once, but uh, maybe he wasn't as famous then. He had a fantastic game today, by the way, I thought. Absolutely yeah, agreed. spot Overall, on. Overall, agreed. Well, I, yeah. look, all referees have situations in games where they make a choice that we, as Connick fans mightn't like but he just has an air of authority out there and he makes his decisions quickly and explains them and if he ex- has to explain something to, the, to a player he doesn't turn it into a three chapter performance it just gets done and when he was walking out this evening all the players were walking out was anybody interested in a photograph with them like hell Nigel Owen must have been photographed a hundred times between <laughs> coming out of the referee's room and getting down past the back of the clan bar um, so he, more popular than either of the teams and what, what was really funny was in the game just before he got that bang in the head he made a decision which the clan were disgusted with <laughs> and were giving him a hugely bad time as we would normally do he gets the bang in the head and everyone's really worried about him then he gets up and gets a massive Cheer. Right, guy. From brilliant both guy. sides of the ground, Ulster fans too. Hey, let's hear Pat Lamb's thoughts on Nigel Owens. Bundyaki non try was a bit of a bizarre moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Nigel, um, Nigel asked uh, you know, a good question. Like, um, uh, I think initially they said who, um, he said who put the downward pressure first, and Timo said the. Um, uh, the report was a CMO said that White touched it first, and then he, Nigel asked again, just just check he put the downward pressure so first, and um, uh, so it was really 
um, and then TMO came back and said, yeah, it was white, so so that was ruled out. And um, uh, yeah, so speaking of Nigel, I, I, superb. You know, just shows why he's number one in the world. I mean, all the boys are talking about, you know, clarity right throughout the game, and jeez, uh, he, he was good. Dave Finn, you haven't talked enough. Um, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, Nigel, Nigel was excellent. It was t- two incidents, and I did basically the. It was the one incident actually, and it is in the run-up. Ali Madani takes a majestic for a non-gar player. That was the greatest gar catch I've seen. Comes down, seems to be taken out in the air. That's the decision. Everybody goes nuts. And Muldani's there going, I have no idea why you're giving this penalty. Because he's clearly caught the ball and now just says he's running on. But you can see McCartney going, no. He's explained it to us, let's go. And Dennis doing the same thing. Come on, Ali sees the two boys going, right, yeah, it's Nigel. I don't have to agree with it, but he's explained it. A lot of those referees, you don't see it. What did drive me nuts today was when the penalty comes in, Henderson, who is monstrous, <laughs> runs into him. And it's seen, it'll be seen in the camp. But the ball never went out. It didn't. Did I looked like go, from our even our angle? It looked like it kept, go out. Tiernan kept it in. Tiernan kept it in. Faffed about. We get it out. Ulster played on. Nobody because everybody had run past Nigel. Nobody knew Nigel was on the ground. The touch judge. And I, this is I'm coming back to touch judge's abdicate and responsibility. The touch judge knows the ball hasn't gone dead, but he gave the line out once Nigel had recovered. Now Nigel can't know what's happened because he's been just run into Ian Henderson, and that would knock anybody to bits. Mm-hmm. That should have gone. The worst case scenario for Connacht is that should have gone back to be a, for the kick again. That's what should have happened. Same no. touch judge who couldn't remember who won the toss. Yeah, has to be said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, I think he was. Uh, the part was interesting about the TMO. We can't hear the question, so we don't know. If Nigel asks a simple question. For the disallowed try, which ultimately, if you want to be really parochial, that disallowed try, which is a bit 50-50 in terms of should it be given or not, is what decides the game. It isn't, but you want, if you're being very parochial, you can go, oh, terrible decision by the TMO. I'm yeah, not so sure. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Here's why I don't really, if I can bring William in on this, I, here's where I'm not too worried about that Bundiaki try, because it, it shouldn't be a try in the game. It, it's it, like it would be a technicality to get a try. At the end of the day, was the ball even out of the ruck in time? And, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Like Shane Horgan said, I just heard him on Sky Sports afterwards on, on our monitor. He said that, at the, you know, if, if, if it hadn't been, if Aki hadn't got his hand on that, no referee's given it a touchdown against, uh, you know, against Ruan Pinar. He's going to let him kick the touch and the play on. But at the same time, it would be kind of a it wouldn't be in the spirit of the game type try even though there'd be nothing wrong with what Bundiaki did if you get what I'm saying yeah I, I would agree with that it was very hard to tell and yeah. they didn't seem to considering the fact Sky had a full uh, uh, HD camera set up here today so the views that were being shown on the screen were very average to say the least uh, of it that's not a HD screen down there and that's what Nigel was trying to look at <laughs> oh yeah, well, well, yeah. They, they had the HD cameras but the big, camera. the big screen though also the blue line about two thirds of the way down for, for most of the second half I disagree I think it is in the spirit of the game to do a try like that I've seen him scored in New Zealand I saw Sam Whitelock get denied a very good try for New Zealand against England doing exactly the same thing if that is what the rules say you should be fully in Title to exploit the rules of the room. It is not against the spirit of the game. Against the spirit of the no, game. On, against the spirit of the on, game is everything else that happens in between the two hang white lines. On, Punches, ref flying off the oh, ball. Wait, That's no. I'm hang sorry. On. I, find I that said wrong. I'm talking about the law. Like what Aki, we would deserve to try if it is a try, and it probably should have been a try. So and Aki has done nothing wrong in getting that try, and it's fantastic. What I'm saying though is it isn't a try that's earned brilliantly, or you know, it's a try that was crafty and it was good. But no, sorry. What I'm really trying to say is that we re- it really shouldn't be. In, it sh- there should be 
be a law in there that says he's offside. That shouldn't be tries. There should be there should be a bit of common sense that comes into that. No, totally. Because why is he not offside when the player hasn't got his hands on the ball? ball the ball is over the line. It's in the goal. Well, if he has his hands on the ball, isn't it downward pressure? Playing area. It's not in the playing area. It's in the goal. Well, then the decision. Well, if you're going to say that's okay, then the decision is surely just right. He had his hands on the ball. It's downward pressure, and fix that law to say if he touches the ball, it's a five meter scrum and nothing else. You can't do it. Fix the law. Well, yeah, fix the law. Fix the law. I want the law fixed too. That's what I want. <laughs> the other thing about it was Connick did something that was a bit irritating. They all ran up to the halfway line and congratulated yeah, usual, him. Yeah, yeah. But the problem was, it went on for so long, we then went down to the five meter scrum ah, and they ate us because they were still switched on. We'd already gone into that switch off mode. Uh, we but and it was the only bad scrum all day. The only scrum we screwed up all day was that one. Right. You know. Reason why we lost the game, I'll give you this, Alan. Ten minutes before half time, two stupid tries, Aki gets caught in possession, great attack down the side, no one there to defend, but I mean maybe they should have been made, they shouldn't be the turnover is the key problem, both scores. Second try, poor clearance kick from Tiernan Haller and had good and bad in the day, easily blocked down, lots of confusion. But there's still still plenty of defending to do, and we were caught on an overlap that just had five, six men it seemed out there, but they had a lot of space for Craig Gilbert. And Craig Gilroy is a top, top class player. And this, this is what Liam told him. The point he was making was that when they got their boys into the wide areas, you're talking about Tommy Bowe is a world class player. Gilroy's not too far behind them. Payne's playing for Ireland. You know, you, these guys are, are, are absolutely top notch. And Ludwig is the top try scorer in the league. So, you know, these guys are, are way up there. And have he makes the point that we're still learning that stuff. We're doing all the basics brilliantly but we're still learning these little bits we don't have a lot of time to learn because if we miss out in this Champions Cup with no Dan McFarlane next year and with some changes and maybe no big blockbuster signings you know that's when you start to worry are we going to miss the boat we have to learn on our feet don't we we do but uh, someone made the point that it was this time last year that we got hammered by Ulster and then, and then signed Bundy the next day so maybe there is a signing coming <laughs> if nothing else I hope there is a signing happening because a lot of fans are getting worried about the fact we've only signed uh, Nepia Fox um, yeah absolutely last 10 minutes and Alan nailed it. The, the new, you nailed it as well. The turnover in the midfield was just unbelievably bad because that and, and on, the 22, on the twenty-two and he goes over and we're all in. And what happened both times? We all got caught in one place. And those boys. I mean, Tommy Bow is lethal. I mean, both his tries, brilliant finishes. Craig Gilroy, brilliant finish. You can understand why Matt Healy, who we think we love, we love Matt. We can understand why Matt Healy is well down the back in order because. These guys are ahead of them, and they're not playing badly. And they get Gilroy gets one chance to score to try, Bo gets two chances to score to try, but both he got one chance to score to try too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Matt had to, I'll put it this way: Matt had to work hard for that try. Not just those two tries, but you'd have to say all five tries. At some point, we made a monumental cock up and we gave away five points. Anybody else would have given away seven points, but that's back to PNR being terrible kicking. But yeah, it was just, and it was, and you could. What was worse was you could actually see them is you could almost see it coming. The first try, because it was this dumb... Which, which you didn't, the first try, which you didn't see coming, almost inevitably was going to lead to the second try. And you could just see for that last 10 minutes, like, the hedge just went into but the that's, turf. But that's what I want to ask you about, William. That's what I'm worried about. Like, the, we, still are, we still have this propensity to give up on ourselves in the middle of a game and then suddenly come alive again. Yeah, it was very similar to the game away to the Scarlets a few weeks ago, where we played quite well at times, but once... They took a couple of opportunities, heads did drop, accuracy went, and we were probably, we almost looked as if we were playing for half-time, but to go in a 17-0 down, it was never a 17-0 wind, or 17-point wind, 
But we came on the second half. We did our second half performance Ten again. Unanswered. Um, which is it's great, but it's totally frustrating. We also started the game reasonably well and then switched off. Maybe it is a learning curve, but unfortunately, it's a, if it is a learning curve, it's a curve that's stuttering at the moment because we really are we're just not putting it together. And maybe on the verge of just being out of this race, one more defeat might, well, should be it. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, how about we talk about that in a second? Hang on, hang on. We are still sixth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's five o'clock and Munster are playing in Edinburgh at seven. We could, yeah, it's no, one more. I'm saying one more defeat could put us out. Could Depends on how the results go. Could. Even, even, uh, for the race even, for sixth. Even if Edinburgh win, we're still in seventh, so we still have a playoff. So with, with what, three league games left in the so season. So you're saying one more defeat doesn't put us out? One more defeat after this one. No, right? the next one. If we lose to Glasgow. Oh yeah, if we lose to Glasgow, I think that's we'll what not. I'm saying. Yeah. But at least oh, we're, we're absolutely still, still in it right now. There's no, still no there. pressure. Yeah. We just need to, to switch on, stay switched on for a full 80 minutes, and not switch <laughs> off for those little bits and pieces. You know, those little moments and then boom, which are giving the opposition the, opp- the chance to beat us. Here, let's, uh, you know, let's redeem Alan's interviewing skills by hearing uh, him asking, well, uh, Liam Tolan is like a tap-in open goal for an interview, but all the same, well done. He was brilliant. That's all <laughs> I can say. He was brilliant. The thoughts of Liam Tolan, then we'll move this on. OK, I'm with Liam Tolan. What did you think of that match, Liam? It was unbelievable, sensational. The, uh, coming to Galway, it was uh, the sun was shining and then arrived into the sports ground and as usual, the wind was blowing <laughs> a gale and the most interesting part of the, of the kick-off was that both teams lined up to, to receive or to kick off. But it was it reminded me of the 2003 Martin Johnson in, in Lansdowne Road. Uh, the referee, uh, Nigel Owen, sorted it out and Connacht played into the wind. And I tell you this, having watched Connacht in the last couple of games, I was really impressed by their exit strategy, how they burnt the clock. Marmion at was especially good he was picking an awful lot of different variants and he was attacking the fringe himself for a relatively small guy he did an awful lot of damage um, number five Ali Muldowney I thought it was sensational throughout he wouldn't be my man of the match without a yeah I, he's, he's been brilliant now um, since Christmas and the, the change at out half I think helped as well mm. um, in that Connacht the last couple of games were struggling to, to, to make their decisions early enough and they were getting stuck into poor kicking game and they're also carrying into traffic in bad decisions and that I think that that change in halfback made a big, big difference. But the work ethic throughout Connacht's um, uh, first half was ex- was exceptionally good. The flip side, of course, Ulster were playing too, and when they got a few opportunities, the class of some of their players mm. just told. In other words, the four or five hub around the ball when an opportunity came, and I think they they really targeted some of the fatiguing Connacht guys. Um, uh, um, a couple of the, the the front five Connacht guys got trapped out in midfield yeah. and were targeted. You'd expect that to happen. There, Ulster carrying a lot of world class players and they did that but like the, the Connacht scrum was sensational throughout I think Dennis Buckley for me has been the Connacht player of the, of the month he's been superb right, the, whole, the whole year for us yeah, he's been really really superb and his work ethic is fantastic the line out in the conditions that we face there Rory Best who's what 80 plus international caps mm. he struggled to manage the line out mm. uh, Connacht stole a couple in the mid uh, in the middle of the in the middle of the line out mm. but the Connacht to, 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 what is his name Tom McCartney, Tom McCartney fantastic like unbelievable accuracy and, and all the way to the sub Hooker who came on the very end. Shane Delahunt, yeah. They had a connect at a line out in, in around their 22, and the gale was blown, and they threw it to the tail. I says, "What? Who's who's picking the line out calls? <laughs> what are you doing? This kid is like." Mm. And he nailed it. It was perfect to so the degree of accuracy. Where did Connacht lose the game? Um, couple of key moments they, they scored Carty who came on who had just pe- converted a penalty from the left hand touch line a massive massive three points 
and the kickoff. There was a confusion. Um, yeah. the, the Connacht part Muldowney thought that behind the Matt Healy had called for it. It bounced. Uh, Ulster, uh, Rory Best, who worked his socks off throughout the Ulster hooker, came through, and before you knew it, there was a, they were defending the line out. And I thought Connacht did really, really well in defence. A couple of key decisions around that, um, uh, the, the referee's interpretation of it, mm. and of course the inevitable happened. Ulster scored the try. Yeah. Like you can't deny Connacht did so many really, really good things. The breakdown work was excellent. The scrum was superb. The line out was good. Those key moments in time, yeah. and when you offer an opportunity to players, a, a team like Ulster, to have the class. Yeah. Regardless of the conditions, regardless of all that, and it's such a crying shame that, that Connacht uh, didn't get that try at the very, very end. Like, they, they, I don't know, 15, 20 phases. Oh, it was, it was incredible. Spilled ball, I think Henshaw went through, uh, went on the outside shoulder, offload out the side door, and just the ball was spilled. And that yeah, was Danny a, Pullman just couldn't quite grasp it, you know, yeah, you 10 know, metres uh, from the line. Like, so, those are key moments. Like, the, the difference, if, if that was on the flip side, maybe an Ulster man when they break through, and he might have passed it to a Tommy Bohr. Yeah. To, like, those slight differences in quality mm. when you have those tiny opportunities Ulster were able to take them and there was just so much positivity about what, what Connacht did and it's those little things you know those little minor errors those things that kill a team and the coaches are putting their head in their hands and going oh come on but like you, you look back to that kick off for Ulster that bounced yeah. that and you can, you can add up maybe five or six moments in time yeah that's the negative, and every coach, when you look at, are going to look at moments in time. They're going to say, "We need to improve these." But you've got to take the positives too, and the positives. Like that scrum was just phenomenal. It was, you know? it like was it really, really, really was. Um, the work ethic throughout was phenomenal. The lineup was superb. The breakdown was very, very good. And I thought the halfbacks, particularly Marion, in, in that wind that they faced clock brilliantly mm. um, and I think what was it 17 nil at half time it was time nil out, yeah it was um, pretty it, was, it wasn't great like, it could have been 10 nil the last try yeah. that was conceded was unfortunate as well um, but they're all they're all parts and I was very very impressed by Connacht and Ulster made precious few entries into the Connacht 22 and each mm. time they did they kind of got a score you kind of say god that was, that was cheap yeah yeah, we, we, we felt that. We felt that they, they seemed to be able to raise that game just that little bit more than we could do. They were taking the ball at pace where we were taking the ball yeah, standing still. I, I would say that's probably because you've got like Jackson and Taney as an international. Mm. You've got a midfield that are internationals. Yeah. You've got a back three. So you've got that. So in those moments of time, it's not just the one guy on the ball when him spotting the opportunity. The Ulster combinations of three, four, five players. And a good insight to that was they were cut for crossing at one stage. Yes. Um, and for me, crossing is poor timing and variety. The variety is there. Yeah. They're running, they're fixing, they're running different angles, and they just got the timing of it a bit wrong. That's crossing. Yeah. Rarely did Connacht have that same challenge. Yeah, exactly. Because they weren't providing the same degree of, of combinations and fixing inside defenders. And like Matt Healy, that's why I haven't even mentioned him yet. Mm. Matt Healy, the first ball he got in the second half, right arm fend on Roger Wilson. Yes. Boom, thanks for coming, get off the bus. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, like a relatively small guy against yeah. the international number eight. Get yeah. off the bus, dumped him on his arse. Yeah. And about three or four minutes later, it got ball in really heavy traffic, and he says, where's this guy going? And he zipped through, used feet off left, off right, and went in and scored a crack and try. So like the individual stuff, so the learning for me, the work ethic was there, but when those opportunities come, need to, to try and make the most of them, you need those individuals to work as a three or four or five, and only games, and only these learning things will that come from it, but a great, yeah. great, a really enjoyable game. 
I'm thinking, lads, let's get the audio from post-game as well out of the way and then we can finish off this podcast. So I spoke to Pat Lamb and I might edit in a question from Dave because he's usually came up with some good ones at the end, so I might top that in. And Dennis Buckley as well, who spoke really well and was a frustrated soul but, but still saw a lot of positives as well. All right, Pat. Um, that was an amazing game, really, for drama, for high-octane stuff. I mean, to come so close to reversing a draw, but on the other hand, they did get five tries, which is a lot to concede, probably the most iconic to conceded this year. Yeah, probably on the back of some, uh, of some of our errors, you know. Mm. I mean, the first half, we, we, you know, we took the breeze and we needed to um, obviously look after the ball. And uh, I think by all three of their tries, we either turned the ball over or I think we got a penalty and we, we, we only kicked the ball about 10 or 15 metres and, and then we lost the ball from that line out and then, yeah, and they, they, they stung us on that. Uh, I mean, they're big, big boys. I went out to the warm-up and went far out of the size of these guys. But So it was going to you know, be, be a collective effort. And I suppose the, some of the tackling in that first bit wasn't as, um, you know, as um, <clears throat> physical as we needed it to be. Um, but at 17-0 on, we came in at half-time. We spoke about the only way we'll get back in is getting our structure, structure and shape. We just needed to reload to give some more opportunities. So, you know, we're heading in the middle of the rucks and whipping back. We noticed in the first half there was a, there was a lot of um, opportunities that they were folding around that we could go back and get to the edges again. But we needed to get back into shape, so we, um, we did that, had on a bit more ball. But unfortunately, every time we scored, we didn't get our kick-off receipt nailed, and um, and they came straight back and you know put some more points on us. So, but you know, one thing I've been saying all year with this group of guys, um, well, we might not be the most experienced in, in certain areas. They 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 work hard and they don't give in. Uh, we're still six at the moment because we've gone games one. Um, I think we got nine wins to uh, to their eight, so we stay ahead at the moment. But um, obviously. Uh, um, it's, it's all it's all tight. It's going to go down to the wire. We know that there's three to go, and, um, and we'll see what happens to tonight's game. I think it's going to take three wins. Um, it's it's hard to tell because you don't know the results of others. Um, I mean, I think last week we were asked, you know, what's our target? It's just to get as many points as we can: four wins, three wins, two wins. That we don't know, uh, and that's the beauty of the competition at the moment. I think it's um, it all depends on what the other results happen. Down, you know, I was a minute or thirty seconds away from uh, Zebra doing us a favour there, but. Um, so I think all we can control is making sure we, we come out and try and get the win against Glasgow now. How much did losing Craig affect the game plan, or was it just the most yeah, that, that was frustrating. It really was. It's probably tough because Craig ripped the whole whole week. You know, um, he did all the reps, the training. He did, uh, you know, right through, and he, he he was part of the whole alignment group, making sure it's out there around the show, and and then to come out 20 minutes before kickoff and. It was caught again. It's the second time it's happened. So, you know, and um, uh, so Maya stepped in and then Jack came off the running the messages to, to being on the bench. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but that's, you know, that's why we have to take extra players just in case these sort of things uh, happen. All right, Dennis, um, you know, first and foremost, like that was an amazing game in terms of uh, drama, plenty of tries going either way. How did you keep your head straight and how do you, why do you think that Connacht finished so strongly in that contest and almost like got a point out of it almost got two well obviously the con- conditions come into play and when it's like that so obviously we we had the wind with us in the second half so that's probably a factor in it but also like we, we work hard in our fitness and stuff and we're, we're definitely a fit a fit team and I think statistically this year we, we've, we've been finishing a lot stronger than we've been starting and sometimes to our, to our own detriment but but then it, it, it just shows the character in the group and that we're all we're all go to the very end 
incredible start to the second half, which is key probably to getting this losing bonus point out of their game. Uh, you know, talk to me about the fact that even though you didn't score in that first foray into the 22, they kept their heads up, and obviously Matt Eady came up with a great try. Yeah, it was, it was uh, well, we had a frustrating start to the first half, so at half time we spoke and we, we really wanted to come out, of the, come out of the blocks higher in the second half, and, and you know, fair play, fair play to the lads we did, and we, we got down there, and okay, the, the line didn't didn't go to plan, and they got a turnover, but we just we just kept at it, we went on to our next jobs, everyone did their roles, and then Thankfully, Maddie got in for a great individual try. The scrum played a key role in, in some of those early stages in terms of the changing in the momentum. Yourself, Tom and uh, Rodney have had a great couple of weeks. I mean, are, are you looking at that as an individual success in, 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 despite the defeats? No, well, definitely. Like the, the scrum is, is a collective unit, so it's, so it's all eight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's down to any, any individuals in it. But yeah, look, the, the scrum's been been a good weapon for us today and it has been all season but then we, we had an opportunity in the first half with a five metre scrum on our from their, from their line and, and we messed it up so we're obviously like we, we set pretty high st- standards for our scrums and we probably let ourselves down there because we, we, get, we got a push over try there which we were clearly on top of the scrums then uh, then probably changes changes the dimension of the first half and then we're, in, we're coming on to second half in a much stronger position some audio from the Ulster camp Neil Doak uh, Tommy Bow, and Rory Best all spoke to the press afterwards here's just a little bit of a snippet of what they said at this stage of the season just got to win games you know obviously the, the bonus point um, you know it was brilliant especially when you look at the games last night and, you know it's um, it's key to keep taking things over you know and uh, I thought Treviso might have done us a little favour last night but um, to be fair to the Ospreys they finished the game pretty strong and, uh, and get them for that bonus so that's why today, you know, was key, and um, I thought we played pretty well at times, and um, you know, got that two-score lead, and you know, maybe slipped off a couple of tackles and allowed Connor back into the game. So, you know, it's a credit to them. You know, they play uh, for the full eighty minutes. You know, and um, you know, got a little bit tight towards the end there, but uh, you know, we're, we're glad with the five points. said this week we've trained exceptionally well we, we know we've got you know we've uh, a couple of massive matches coming up <coughs> um, and, and starting off we had a real focus on this match you know to have three interpros back to back starting off down here it's a very difficult place to go we know Connacht have been playing some great rugby in the sports ground we knew it was going to be a difficult match so um, for me and for the team we're delighted I think the pack were, were excellent today it gave us really the the, the sort of ball that as uh, as backs we want to play off and, and I was fortunate enough you know and, and the back three all got in for a score so um, you know a, a good day for us. We're playing the same way, um, Pat Lamb in the middle, sort of trying to <laughs> dictate things, and I think it was just a mix-up. You know, we were told we're playing into it. Um, the linesman told Nigel Owens that we were playing into it, and Connacht thought they were also playing into it, and. You know, it's like we sort of said at the time, look, we have to play both ways at some point, so it didn't really bother us. Um, I suppose it's, you know, we'd geared our warm up towards playing into the wind and then to flip it around, but it wasn't really a big deal. It was just a bit of a mix up in communications. It's, it'll be frustrating sitting watching Leinster playing in a, in a European semi final, but, you know, that's the way it is. You know, obviously, we'll hope they do well because. Like firstly, you know, you want guys that you play with in the national team to do well. It's good for Irish rugby if they do well. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's important for the Pro 12 that we have somebody in that final. Um, but outside of that, we'll watch it with a view to beating them. Uh, what is it? Five days later. 
Rory Best, uh, lads, I'll start with you, Dave. Like, he's a real class actor. Like, he wasn't prompted to say that about Leinster. You know, he was asked about the week off, and then he just went into this kind of uh, discussion about the fact how it would be good for some of his teammates in the national team to win, and it would be good for the Pro 12 to see Leinster through as well. I love that from him. He didn't have to do that. No, he's a... Whatever we think about the, the 80 minutes per game where everybody in an opposition shirt is a complete and utter, um, you know... Enemy. Enemy. Uh, and you, you insert your own euphemism there, folks. Off the pitch, a lot of the rugby guys are really, really, really decent, intelligent human beings who have a, who see the wider picture. And that's what he's talking about. It's not a wider picture. We need Pro 12 because if, if, if Leinster make the final, it is two fingers to the Nigel Rays and Mark McAfee's as well, who simply want to get rid of anything that isn't money-driven. They want to get rid of... The, they Certainly, if they couldn't help it, they have to be persuaded to put the Italians in. And yes, they may not be bringing much to the table, but at least they're at the table. And he'd like to get rid of us. He'd like to get rid of them. And uh, having Leicester in the final, especially if it was against Clermont, you know who are... Yes, they have money, but they're not Toulon. They're not Stade, They're not Racing Club. They're not Stade Francais. They're not an English club with loan tons of, with a backer behind them. I think... And for somebody who, is, who knows that if they win, there will be a high going into when he's facing them. But also if they lose, they're physically and emotionally going to be in a bad place. To actually go up and say, yeah, we'd really like our opposition to win their next game before they face up. That's class. That's a class act. Yeah, absolutely, and he's 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 spot on. Uh, I'll be cheering on Leinster next week. So will I. Um, on the record. And uh, I think it's a big ask. The bookies have them eleven points behind. Um, but that has to be the biggest spread against Leinster in maybe fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, thing about it is Toulon. You kind of feel the only way you're going to beat Toulon is if Toulon beat Toulon. Yeah, which maybe is capable because they are French. Uh, no, they're not. That's the problem. They're not French. <laughs> <laughs> could, they could hardly be less French. Yeah, exactly. Anyhow, uh, exactly. Connacht, where they are. Listen, Mr. Positive, four defeats in a row, but, you know, they can take a lot of positives from this. If the scrum functions as well as it did, Glasgow mightn't get as much clean ball as they want. If the line-out functions as well, if they have the self-belief, that back line seems to be coming into tune, and Aki will be that bit sharper in two weeks' time. You'd like, you'd like to think he's going to be a bit that sharper, although has he run out onto the pitch oh. for his warm-up, oh. he tripped on, on the, the light pole where the, the, the little piece of um, wood that's there for the light pole, and he went oh. over on his ankle. Oh. And we were going, oh my God! Oh. And he sort of struggled a little bit for a couple of steps, and then he went, and then he was fine. But my God, it had us for seven William really worried there for a second. We'd already seen Craig Ronson doing, doing his, you know, pulling his quad. So yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit of a crazy day. But it was. What's going on with this season, William? It just never stops throwing up so much bloody drama. Today was just crazy. It was. It was a very peculiar uh, eighty minutes, and that's why it's important that you are competing at this time of the season because in the past these type of games have meant very little to us sometimes they meant a bit to the opposition but we're still there we're hanging still in six we're as we hanging, record this podcast come on monster come on monster we're hanging on by our fingernails do you, you got to still have a little bit of hope that they can do the unlikely and beat, us, uh, beat Glasgow I should say I don't see any reason why they can't um Injuries, maybe. Injuries is one, and if they keep making mistakes, they're beating themselves. Restarts. Can can they just work on them for two uh, weeks? Uh, yes, shambles today. Three 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 in a row. Um, I was actually trying to listen to the um, Grand National on RT radio, so I got a little bit of their commentary. And Shane Byrne um, was giving. He was summarising for Michael Corcoran, and he was. He said that's the third in a row by Connick. That is ridiculous, and he's obviously seeing that as a former player. They know that themselves. Glasgow play a very open game and I think they'll give you chances 
But if you give them chances, they are boy, they are quick. They had Cardiff on toast last night and they just didn't bother playing in the second half. They just switched off. Can we talk about the out-half situation again? Because you brought it up earlier. But let's be honest, when Craig Ronaldson didn't start, there was a disappointment there. There was a huge disappointment because... Craig is the, probably of, of the outhouse we've had this season. He's one you know you trust. I think the fans trust most in these conditions. And I think we also have to take into account we don't know what the weather's going to be like in two weeks' time. It could be glorious, which means if it's actually, I really would like it to be a bog. I want it to be horrible. I want the wind to be blowing in because if it's a dry, glorious yeah, day, for are trying to outgun them. Like. No, no, they're going to they're run all day. Um, I think at the moment we have a serious problem in confidence at 10. I mean, Maya was fine. He was fine. He was fine. He wasn't spectacularly terrible, but he was fine. And that's not good enough. Not in defence, he wasn't. They missed Tackle and Cave. Yeah. Uh, miss Tackle and Cave. Moment. Well, Ludic, the first tackle, you, you can't tackle a guy. You have to go low. He went high. But I say he was, like I say, he was that fine. That was for the Ludic try. Yeah. For, the, for the Ludic try. He was fine. And I'm not going to be quite as negative as that, but he was fine. Jack comes on, and Jack at the moment is a better player than Maya if both are playing at the top form and top confidence. At the moment, Jack has appears to have zero confidence. But his pass for Tune and Try was a speech of a pass. Which shows what he can do. And, and Liam mentions it, as you would have heard earlier on, like he talks about the fact that the difference between Connacht today and the Connacht people he'd seen two weeks ago in, in Munster is the fact that the decisions were being made early. Maya was making the decisions early and getting the ball and moving it away. And those decisions were happening earlier. And he says that made a big difference to how he saw them playing uh, coming out of the, the Munster game. It's true. I mean, it definitely... Well, definitely the Munster thing... I think Jack also is an impact sub. I think, I think at the moment he's an impact sub. I think he does much better coming off the bench than he does starting. Now, it's not that he was terrible against Gloucester, but again, he made a few fundamental errors. His kicking game is just... Kicking from hand is just gone at the moment. Mm-hmm. That will come back to him, but I just wonder if you go for the safer option. It's, Craig took a month to come back from the last quad. I think he's not... If he, in the back line, unless he absolutely has to, I think he'll go with the same, the same back line. Final thoughts. Rance, I got one. If we're going to have, like, Stuart's here, some of them fantastic, most of them fantastic at their jobs, but, you know, have the right guys in the right positions. For example, if, <laughs> if you have a media room where a lot of people are going to be going in and out and he's checking passes, good to know if he knows a few people that he should know. And I don't mean journalists. Any journalist is going to take a ump, get over it. But let's say someone like, for example, Eric Elwood came to the door. You kind of need someone there who knows him and doesn't go, excuse me, excuse me, I, I need to see some ID to which Eric had to pr- pr- produce his driver's licence. Wouldn't make a point. It wasn't the usual guy. There's been a guy there all season that yeah, wasn't into that. Yeah, and he's good. But it just shows the importance of that and nothing against the guy look I don't think that every man in Connick should know where Eric Elwood looks like it's not that simple most of them really should but I'm going to let anyone off I've made some embarrassing mistakes in my time on identification but that's not good anyways that's my rant I'm going to set up a, a Twitter campaign against how loud the music is in this bloody clan stand it was a joke today at times an absolute joke we but you wouldn't in- have gone in the mood for the match <laughs> you know, we were down in Munster. We, you know, myself and William were able to have conversations like We can't do that here. We have to wait until the Muppet who's calling out the thing. And I don't want you to cut that. He's a Muppet. Oh. You know, he was obviously. <laughs> I'm scratching my head in the editing room as he's <laughs> What to do? What to do? <laughs> he's obviously been to the Aviva recently because he tried to come out with some awful rubbish today and cheering. And, and it was just muck. And it's just. He doesn't have to be so loud. He can he can do all that stupid cheerleading stuff if he wants, but not so loud. Let people talk, have a conversation. At one stage, it went quiet because you forgot to turn the music up, and there was a little bit of a bub going around. Thing, oh wow, we can actually talk to each other. This is great. I'm I'm going to start a Twitter campaign. I'm going to get one of those hashtags. Maybe we have to put it at the start of the podcast. Well, I, I don't care, but I'm. Ugh. Rant time. 
I'm not going to rant. Oh. I'm just going to pay a compliment to Richie Benno, who died yesterday. Oh, yes. Probably the best sports commentator I've ever heard, specialised in cricket, uh, was a joy to listen to. I learned so much from him. He never said ten words when five would have done. Uh, I never took the game or the players or the spectators for granted. We have a lot of commentators in the new era of commentary who could learn from him. And he never complained about the changes in cricket uh, which have gone on in, in his time. He's a thorough gentleman. I had the pleasure of meeting him once in Adelaide. And uh, just RIP. Nice. Yeah, that kind of seems strange to go in after that. But I have two. One is, seriously, why were Galwegians playing at the same time? Oh, it's, 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 can I just say in, in one sentence, because this is something I'm obviously involved in but knock on, it's due to the complete disconnect between the people who run the professional game and having a clue about grassroots rugby and the people who run the amateur game and they don't get any power because it's the guys without the clue. That's not the sand mower. That's the super sand mower. That's the turbo sand mower going around. Look at that. Yeah, sorry. That interrupted me. And the guys who the guys who should be running the game don't get the power because they're not involved in all these profession stuff. There needs to be some sort of rock solid time frame where you say half two to four o'clock every Saturday, no professional rugby, and that's just final. Oh, there you go. That's my rant done by Rob. My other rant is something that I'm amazed nobody's nobody's brought up in, in wider front, which was Jack Berger got a one-week suspension for nearly decapitating the staff and say scrum half. Now, Nick Williams did something incredibly similar and got eight weeks. It's not. I can kind of you can understand. I can live with there being inconsistency in 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 the app in the suspensions. What I find really annoying as someone who doesn't come from a traditional rugby background and is relatively speaking of the four of us the least the newest to the game. I don't understand why you take weeks off a suspension because you behave yourself in the meeting where you're getting the suspension. I find that completely ridiculous. They took a week off from a minimum two weeks suspension because he behaved himself. He must have brought biscuits in or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I've only... Now, again, I didn't see the game for that. I've seen the vine. And the vine is not good for burger because I'm thinking... I'm looking at at, at, at the breakdown... And I'm thinking, I can't see why he's even being pulled up for this. And then he just, the ball is gone. And the scrum office is backed, is, is in, is still in the dive position. He's been on his knees. And Berger comes in and absolutely cracks him. And he got one week for that. And it was brought down because he was behaved himself and he has good character. I'm sorry, in no other sport this previous, being a good character and not having a rant in a meeting give you make you reduce the sentence they should, if they thought he was good character and they thought he was well behaved you give him the minimum you don't you add on penalties you don't take them away and that is a major problem rugby has right and we'll be back in two weeks time after the Glasgow game back here at Sports Ground make sure you note down it's a 1.05 kickoff time quite unusual oh Jesus I know isn't it ridiculous we won't play another game under floodlights yeah not 1 o'clock 1.05 105. I'm going to tell you why I'm nearly doing a rant here oh. <laughs> it's a double header TG4, the second game of the doubleheader is Munster playing Benetton Treviso. And we all know that that's going to be a super tight game that'll be go down to the wire not. So the big game, which is very important for both Glasgow and Connacht, kicks off at five past one on a Saturday afternoon. Ludicrous. Bye, folks. <laughs>